Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where with our guests, we explore the big political issues of the moment. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. South Africa's position in the Israel-Hamas war has further strained relations between Pretoria and the Israeli government, culminating this week in the withdrawal of our country's diplomats from Israel. In this episode of the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, we explore the issues at the heart of the disagreement between our two countries and why South Africa is supporting the cause of the Palestinians. But first, let's hear International Relations and Cooperations Minister Naledi Pando putting forward South Africa's case in Parliament this week. The people of Palestine are denied the right to exist as human beings. They are denied the right to enjoy the freedoms and the rights we so love as South Africans. The rights and freedoms we fought so hard for. The rights and freedoms we united on as a diverse South African people. Today, some of us in this house belong, be, believe these rights belong to some and not to others. That is not the South African way. We believe all human beings enjoy the right to exist in freedom, enjoying justice and humanity. That there is International Relations and Cooperation Minister Lady Pando in Parliament. But before we go further, let's welcome our guests this time, uh, who are Garth Lepier, who is a visiting professor at the University of Pretoria. He's also a widely published uh, author on a whole lot of uh, political subjects, uh, as well as Labna Nedvi, who teaches politics at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. You asked Mr. Ramaphosa to sit down first. I'm standing. Now I warn you. I need to put on my big girl panties and keep going. You can't have two speakers standing at the same time. Security services of the Republic of South Africa, you may intervene. There's been several attempts on my life. Lower that hand. On it's not alarm. president is accused of that serious crimes. I know I'm going to become the president of this country. Uh, you, you are going to be the president. Of I am going to be the president of, of South Africa. Of South Africa. There's no confusion. Of South Africa. I will cancel race. Corrupt people do not eat alone. They have a spider web. I'm there. I can lead them. I'm ready to be the president of this country. I now suspend the proceedings. I have warned you. Hey, welcome to the both of you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, Lubna, let, let, let us start with you. Uh, Naledi Pando in Parliament wa- was alluding to a connection uh, between the struggle that was fought in South Africa and what is happening in Palestine. You know, to say the rights are inseparable, um, that 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 what they are fighting for is what you know is, is what South Africans were fighting for. You know, in 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 in, in overthrowing uh, apartheid. But but just to go back, because not all of us. I mean, this is a long drawn conflict that has been going on. Um, and the some of the linkages would have happened before 1994, maybe before half of the people listening to us were born even. you know. So wh- what is the historical relationship between the ANC and by extension the, the, our government and the Palestinians? The history and the relationship goes back a long way. We would be aware that... Uh, uh, the sort of uh, former uh, Nelson Mandela and the uh, late Yasser Arafat were very close. Uh, obviously, both of them were uh, icons of their particular struggles. And, uh, you know, they, of course, supported each other uh, in terms of the individual 
kind of political struggles that both are going through. And we know that South Africa has historically supported the Palestinian right to uh, political self-determination. And the Palestinians were very much in support of our anti-apartheid struggle uh, when we were going through it. And of course, uh, because, you know, what has been happening in Israel is very clearly, uh, you know, described as apartheid. Uh, it's been sort of, you know, clearly indicated by various international organizations like Amnesty International and so on, uh, that what is happening in Israel at the moment or what Israel is subjecting to the Palestinians to uh, is apartheid. And of course, uh, we as South Africans who have, uh, you know, been uh, through the apartheid, uh, you know, stage and, and have fought it, we understand it very clearly. But also many uh, people have said that what Palestinians are going through is far worse that, than what we as South Africans went through during our uh, days of apartheid. But also beyond that, I mean, the, the connections are, uh, you know, those of uh, apart from revolutionary struggle. It is also uh, bonds of, of uh, you know, freedom uh, and the, the values that both societies share. Uh, so the connection is really between South Africans and Palestinians. Uh, but of course, it exists at uh, the level of governments or the sort of state level. The ANC is historically very uh, close to uh, the Palestinians. And of course, the, the sort of um, Palestine Liberation Organization. Recently, the South African government um, and the ANC have also been meeting with um, Hamas as a um, sort of uh, player or, or political entity that uh, governs the, the Gaza Strip. So you see the historical relationships being there for a very long time. But of mm. course, in more recent times, the relationship has strengthened because of, you know, the South African government has very clearly taken a aside uh, supporting the Palestinians mm. and, of course, opposing the genocide that is playing itself out, uh, that Israel is subjecting the Palestinians to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gath, I'd like for you to come in here, you know, because I, th I think a lot of us are aware or have been aware of the of 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 the of the tensions, uh, if you like, uh, in in Palestine, but I, I don't think we we, we fully understand uh, the, the 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 history, you know, the the genesis, you know, of 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 what is happening there today. I've seen some commentators describing Israel as a settler state. Now, or, or, you know, conventionally, especially from a South African point of view, when I'm talking about settlers, we understand settlers to be people who came from somewhere else and then settled in a particular place and often uh, by force of arms and maybe subjugating the people there. Now, what, what, has, what, what is the historical context of what we're dealing with now in, in Palestine from that point of view? I think, uh, Mike, you know, conceptually, um, Applying the settler colonial uh, label to Israel is quite accurate in my view. Um, in my Sunday Times article, which you published, I start off the article um, with an anecdote, namely that I was a member of the South African Observer Mission, the elections in Palestine, uh, in the West Bank and Gaza in 2006. And I was assigned to Nablus, Janine, and Tumkam. And those are three uh, areas of uh, you know, uh, uh, 
where Palestinians have quite a large demographic presence, which have been systematically occupied by Israel uh, to the point where, you know, there's a level of social engineering and demographic engineering that forced, forced the Palestinians into de facto enclaves which, res which resemble South African Bantustan. And this is the, you know, the cold reality of occupation, which is writ large across the West Bank and uh, in Gaza before the, you know, before the blockade. And, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Israel more or less subcontracting, you know, the management and the administration of Gaza to Hamas. And let us not forget, you know, in a manner of speaking, that uh, Hamas is a creation of Israel. Mm. Uh, Hamas very much served an Israeli agenda that was antithetical to a two-state solution. Historically, let us remember that there are some historical references that are quite important. And this goes back to the concept of the Yishuv, right? Yishuv is a Jewish concept which is uh, really uh, profoundly uh, informed by Zionist ideology, which is the, Jew, the, the, the Jewish community in the greater Palestine. That's the first concept. The, the second concept is that of Eretz Israel, greater Israel. So those two concepts essentially do not recognize any claims of the Palestinians to this ancestral land. It's a biblical and a secular claim. And the biblical and the secular claim throughout the history of this conflict you use 1948 as a marker, has been forged and, 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 and uh, fought in the crucible of war and dispossession against the Palestinians, the point where you, uh, you essentially see, uh, you know, what resembles a, a Bantustan, you know, kind of settler colonial uh, uh, arrangement. And I talk about uh, this, in a sense, that it was horrifying, you know, Mike, mm. see the resemblance to what was ha happened in this country during with greater intensity, ferocity, and violence. What I observed as a member of the South African Observer Mission in 2006 in the West Bank was very reminiscent of the kind of social engineering during the apartheid era year establishing the Pakistans as ethnic uh, and racial enclaves, tribal enclaves, if you will. Except that in the case of the West Bank, uh, this has been done with greater ferocity, density, and a higher level of violence uh, mm. that, that, that has now, you know, really uh, promoted levels of resistance among the Palestinians that uh, really challenge the hegemony and the domination and the subjugation that they've been subjected to uh, since the founding of Israel in 1948. And for some of us, it may be confusing, you know, to say, uh, you, you are saying that Hamas is a creation of Israel. It, it might seem... Mm -hmm. Like like incongruate, you know, or incongruous that that you know the the Israel's own enemy is actually its its creation. How also? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it's anti-discursive, as it were, uh, you know, because 
No, Hamas was really born in the principle of deep ideological and political divisions within Palestine, right? In the West Bank, uh, there was the PLO as sort of the major representative of the Palestinian people. And through the Oslo Accords, the Palestinian Authority was accepted. Uh, so Hamas comes from a slightly different uh, ideological orientation, which I think is steeped in what is called political Islam. Mm -hmm. They won, very important to underscore this, uh, Mike, um, they won the elections in 2006 in Gaza, Hamas did. So they are a legitimate uh, representative of the people of Gaza. Uh, and, and, you know, the elections were also contested by the PLO. But the people overwhelmingly voted for Hamas. And Hamas is a hybrid organization, you see, uh, Mike. It has two characters. The one is a military wing, uh, very much like the ANC. So, you know, there's the military wing that uh, is sort of the equivalent of Israel. And that is, it, it is a, a political and a social movement. And the political and a social movement, you know, they have done much. All that infrastructure that is now being destroyed in uh, Israeli aerial bombardments, especially the hospital. Mm -hmm. Welfare services, the schools, uh, of course, you know, with with uh, huge amounts of of, of aid uh, that, that that has been uh, used, you know, to uh, really finance the fiscus of Hamas in Gaza, uh, they have been able to do what Israel has not through its blockade, land, sea, and air blockade, and I think this has 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 been something where you know the Frankenstein that you have created. Uh, de facto, is not marching lockstep uh, into what uh, Israel expects them to do. It has become highly radicalized. It has brought the citizens of Gaza along with its agenda. And you now it makes a nonsense. And this, I think, is the point of contention uh, between the different forces in Israel, because Hamas does not buy into the state solution. It is a non-secular, it is a non-starter as far as Hamas is concerned because uh, the two-state uh, solution more or less became pandemic concept, you know, with the uh, demise of the Oslo, uh, Oslo Accords in 1993. Mm. So I think uh, Hamas is looking at a different methodology, uh, a different political uh, kind of approach dealing with the plight of the Palestinians. And remember, very important to underscore this, Mike, 2.3 million people in a virtually open-air prison. Yeah? You know, Hamas is sort of half the size, if you want to use the comparison, it's half the size of the Kruger Park. You mean Gaza? 2.3 million people. Mm. Uh, sorry, Gaza. Gaza. Uh, yes, uh, the geographic size of Gaza is is about half the size of the Kruger Park, or three quarters of the size, to be generous, with 2.3 million people uh, living cheek by jowl mm. uh, in 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 that uh, you know high high density area. Mm. So and this is why mm. you see the level of casualties. This yeah. is why you see the level of deaths, arbitrary aerial bombardments, which is so indiscriminate. Uh, and 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 this is why it has provoked, you know, international outcries 
for a ceasefire. You know, the the, the, the pause is really cynical on the, on, on the part of Israel. Because, the, you know, it, it simply means that uh, Israel will continue until in its uh, own uh, uh, thinking and from its own perspective, it has destroyed Hamas completely. Mm, that mm. is not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Lubna, I'd like for you to come in here. Now, the, all of these things happen until we get to the decision this week uh, to withdraw our diplomats from Tel Aviv. Well, what is the significance of that? Does it mean that that there's that you know we, we we never want to relate with Israel at all, or is this that just a temporary uh, tactical tactical move? Or what, what 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 what? How should we read this the decision? Well, there's been a lot of pressure on the South African government to uh, cut diplomatic ties with Israel. So it's something that civil society and the movements have been asking for for a very long time. Uh, it was not too long ago that uh, you know the uh, embassy, the South African embassy in Israel, was downgraded to a liaison office. So this uh, call, recalling of our diplomats um, back uh, this week is just an extension of that because we had uh, actually, as the South African government began, uh, started to uh, you know. Uh, uh, downgrade our diplomatic relationship with Israel. Uh, so the significance of it is that the government is taking heed of what its own, uh, you know, population is saying, but also of what is actually happening around the world. I mean, millions of people have come out on the streets across the world, uh, speaking to their governments, speaking to international organizations like the United Nations and so on, and saying that a genocide is unfolding and it has to stop. Uh, and the South African government, although you know it's it has delayed uh, its sort of um, actions because ten and a half thousand people or more by now uh, have been massacred by Israel in the last uh, just over four weeks. So, but it was inevitable that uh, South Africa was going to do this because uh, it cannot, as a government which fought. Um, or as, you know, uh, kind of the ANC uh, as a ruling party uh, now in government, which fought apartheid, uh, cannot actually uh, allow uh, this sort of uh, kind of relationship to continue. I think also in terms of your question of do we not want to deal with Israel? Uh, Israel, you know, is um, identified as an apartheid state. And so the South African government, or rather the ruling party, the ANC, has taken a very clear position uh, on where it stands with regards to Israel. Uh, the South African government um, as an entity has a bit more of a kind of nuanced stance, but of course this week it has said very clearly that we have to, uh, you know, cut diplomatic ties, but only time will tell how far it's going to go. The real test will come with whether we shut the Israeli embassy down and uh, ask the Israeli ambassador to leave because that is really cutting diplomatic mm, ties. Mm. If we bring our diplomats back, that's just one stage of it. It's just simply saying we don't want South African presence in Israel at all. Uh, but really, the South African government has to ask the Israeli ambassador to leave. And that is really the full uh, you know, process, uh, taking it really to the natural conclusion of cutting diplomatic ties. So um, whether South Africa would want to continue relations with Israel, depends on the role that South Africa would like to play in this uh, entire situation. Uh, the government has offered to play something of um, 
you know, um, mediation role uh, and say, well, we, you know, are there to offer our advice and the experience that we've been through in terms of negotiating through a situation. So I, I think that the South Africans want to, the government wants to see, uh, you know, a amicable resolution because um, I think people will recognize that the civilians living in Israel, mm. uh, the citizens of Israel, um, you know, are also being impacted. So we, we need to find a resolution that actually uh, is going to, you know, bring this entire um, sort of, you know, 75-year uh, occupation to an end so that the civilians on both sides uh, are actually able to, you know, exist, um, coexist in that region. But what is happening at the moment is a genocide. The Israelis are imposing a genocide on Gaza. And so you have to actually take a very strong stance against Israel. Mm. It's been committing war crimes. And so whether South Africa as a government wants to continue having a relationship with a entity like Israel, which has been accused of war crimes and genocide, I think it would, as a government, prefer to not mm. continue that mm. kind of relationship until Israel changes its stance, that until there's a ceasefire and until there's some accountability uh, that you know, Israel is subjected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, you, you uh, argue. You, yeah, yeah. Could I add a quick footnote? What Lutnas just yeah, said. Yeah. Very important to remember that you know, um, in 1994, the ANC inherited of official relations between South Africa and Israel, and President Mandela bent over backwards, you know, to sort of shape a new approach and a different kind of chemistry with Israel, including, by the way. Now, Alfred Nzo, the former foreign minister, going to Tel Aviv uh, to shape a bi-national, uh, you know, uh, framework, a bi-national commission, an official, you know, bilateral uh, platform for the two governments uh, to have an open dialogue, but also to cooperate in certain areas of mutual interest. And that is a measure of how far the government then was willing to accommodate in Israel in the teeth of this conflict. And then relations you know, steadily deteriorated, especially during the second intifada, 2000, uh, between 2000 and 2005, bring us to this point where, as I argue in my Sunday Times, there is now a moral imperative, you know, to send an unequivocal message that South Africa cannot be part of maintaining, you know, the, uh, the veneer of official relations with Israel at a time when it is involved in the sort of genocidal tragedy that is unfolding in uh, in Gaza. Mm. If we if we cut relations completely, you know, beyond just recalling uh, our diplomatic stuff, um, what 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 role would then be left for South Africa? Do you think, Gath, uh, in terms of trying to facilitate a resolution? Or do we do we do we simply walk away from the wreckage and and leave it to other, I, the, the UN what, Mike, or others to 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 resolve? Let us understand the essence of diplomacy. The essence of diplomacy is reciprocity, right? Where where the two the the, the the two countries on the basis of partnership find each other uh, through mutual interest, the articulation of mutual interest, mutual interest between South Africa and Israel has irreparably broken down because of South Africa's principal stance on the question of Palestine. That's the first thing. 
second thing is how South Africa has kept this issue alive in international forum, particularly in the United Nations, you know, much to the chagrin of, 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 of Israel. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the moral imperative outweighs the pragmatism of maintaining official relations with Israel. It is very important to, you know, recognize that, um, and if I may be academic here, you know, you cannot you know, get into a kind of moral relativism because human rights, questions of self-determination, you know, questions of the rights of people to exist in peace and prosperity, those are absolute rights, you know. There is a long tradition from the times of Plato and Hegel, right, you know, uh, 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 right up to uh, recent thinkers uh, like like uh, Nozick, that really advance the, the concept that human vulnerability, wherever it takes place, must be of primary concern, and the humanity that binds us, you know, as community of communities of faith, regardless of background, religion, and culture, is what is of primary concern. Mm. Here, the Palestinians have been denied, you know, the essential uh, rights to self-determination in a, in a, in a way, uh, Mike, that, 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 that is really, uh, you know, unprecedented uh, in terms of Mm. The annals of human conflict. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. Mm. Lubna, I, I just want to ask you. I know we can't read into the mind of Benjamin Netanyahu, the Israeli Prime Minister, as to what's his end game. But given the trajectory, you know that 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 Israel is on at the moment. When when the dust settles, what what do you think we will be left with in Gaza? Will there still be an entity called Gaza, or will it be just ruins, basically? Well, the way that, uh, you know, the aerial bombardment is happening and the daily uh, attacks that, uh, you know, the people of Gaza are having to deal with, it appears that, um, you know, Netanyahu and his uh, team are looking to basically flatten Gaza and completely obliterate it. I mean, they asked uh, the citizens who were in the north of Gaza to evacuate and to go further down south so that they would be safe. But uh, that uh, was, uh, you know, a, a sort of a strange situation when uh, in, in the south of Gaza, the Israelis were bombing uh, the, the people who had moved uh, there and while trying to evacuate and, and uh, you know, move further south, uh, they were killed on the way. So, you know, the Israeli... Um, regime cannot be trusted at all. It's very clear. Because even if it says go here or go there, uh, you'll be safe, that this is not the case. They, the citizens take, um, you know, cover uh, and refuge in hospitals, in school buildings, in the United Nations uh, buildings, uh, UNRWA facilities, and so on. But they are not safe. So if you are asking what is going on in Netanyahu's mind, I think he's just looking to basically destroy Gaza completely. Um, there's been all of this talk recently of an speculation, but you know I'll mention it that their the end goal is to get rid of all the Palestinians in Gaza so that... Uh, and and take them some, where? Well, I think that, you know, trying to push them out of Gaza into Egypt uh, and, uh, you know, sort of uh, try to get them out because apparently there has been gas deposits that have been discovered or 
gas reserves, uh, you know, near Gaza. Uh, so, but again, I think that those are all, you know, areas of speculation. Yeah. But the story is emerging that this is really the real objective to uh, for the Israelis to uh, take over the Gaza Strip again because they, they moved out in 2005, even though they were controlling the AC and land, um, you know, sort of entry and exits of the Gaza Strip. But now it seems like they want to go in again, take over the place and basically get rid of all the Palestinians. But 2.3 million Palestinians uh, and of whom now more than 10.5 to almost 11,000 have been killed. Uh, you know, that's a lot of people and you can't just simply, uh, you know, obliterate them or get rid of them. Recently, one of the Israeli um, officials said that they were looking to drop a nuclear bomb uh, on Gaza, and uh, Israel has nuclear capacity, and Netanyahu uh, suspended this particular official. But I think that, you know, Netanyahu, quite frankly, is just, you know, uh, playing games because the way in which he is proceeding, he is looking to actually completely uh, destroy mm. Gaza, leaving no Palestinians whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the scenario as it looks like, but you can't just kill. 2.2 million people, yeah. uh, you know, mm. and not have consequences. It, yeah. It's just not done. Mm. Yeah, Kath, I, I just, just to change tech a bit, uh, I've, I've looked everywhere, you know, for, for any intervention uh, by the African Union, and I'm battling, you know, to understand where it stands on all of this. Have you, have you got an idea of whether the, you know, the continental body is engaging with this matter in any shape or form? Um, well, Mike, you know, I mean, uh, not in the current um, context of this war, but uh, there has been a, a, a quite a controversial uh, topic in the corridors of the African Union, um, which was to admit Israel as an observer. And there were many African countries that were in favor of that. And guess who stood up to it? Uh, who was the sort of the lone voice of opposition? It was South Africa uh, in the person of our foreign minister, uh, Naledi Pando. And you know, this is a measure of, I think, uh, the extent to which Israel has engaged in a very aggressive charm offensive across the continent. Uh, in a sense, you know, uh, winning friends and influencing people. And, you know, it's very important to remember that, uh, you know, Israel has uh, the capacity and it has the wherewithal and the resources of the kinds of aid that is very attractive to some African countries. Um, I've been to Israel and some of the things that you observe there, you know, are quite impressive. Mm. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. Turning a desert into fertile agricultural land, you know, the ability to, from a very low pace, you know, uh, develop a very sort of high-tech uh, products, uh, you know, a very uh, literate and highly skilled, uh, you know, secular population, uh, and so on and so forth. So they're able to offer African countries, including, by the way, you know, military uh, and security uh, kind of support. Um, I won't mention countries, but there are some countries in Africa 
where Israel essentially manages the entire security apparatus, mm. you know, of the of certain regimes. So it's uh, so, so it's unlikely. It's unlikely that they, I'm saying that sorry to interrupt you. Uh, just we, we're almost out of time. But but so you're saying oh, it's right. unlikely that that we will see an African Union response uh, to the well, crisis. The, the problem is that remember, African Union is a union of 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 of, uh, of, of member states, uh, and and you know, uh, Musa Fatih Muhammad cannot take a position on his own. He was he was roundly rebuked uh, by South Africa in particular. For you know, unilaterally offering uh, you know uh, observer status to Israel at the African Union without consultation with uh, you know the fifty-five member states. So without that consensus, I don't think. And given the deep divisions that exist uh, within the African Union vis-à-vis Israel, it seems that the African Union will not doubt any statement uh, on this matter. I doubt it. Mm. Now, 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 Lubna, the last word to you. Gath doubts that the African Union will take a, a clear stance or stand, you know, on on the Palestinian question as things stand now. Now, the foreign our minister, Minister Pando, uh, has alluded to uh, taking uh, Israel to the International Criminal Court. It, 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 it is. Do you think that is just bluffing? Uh, do you think that that's an option? Can you see the ICC intervening? You know, in the way that it has intervened in other places. You know, as in Ukraine, for example. I think that is a uh, really, uh, you know, um, brave and very uh, courageous uh, thing for the foreign minister to have done, because uh, you know, obviously. She would come under a lot of uh, criticism for it, but uh, obviously she has the blessing of the government behind her in order to do that. Um, and there have been other attempts internationally to try and get uh, Israel to the ICC and to, you know, hold it accountable for war crimes and so on, which have not been successful, uh, because you know Israel has the protection of. Um, uh, the United States, uh, you know, many countries in Europe, and it seems as if the international community is absolutely, uh, you know, hamstrung uh, on multiple levels to to hold Israel accountable. But I think that South Africa's move and and the stance that Lady Pando has taken is really important because to call what Israel is doing war crimes is firstly, uh, you know, saying what it is, and then to take the steps that. Uh, exist in the international community to hold someone who is guilty of war crimes accountable is important. So yes, I think that it is possible. And um, if uh, you know the South African civil society has anything to do with it, uh, which you know it will certainly speak out on, uh, that uh, it will be behind uh, Naledi Pando and the government to take Israel to um, you know the ICC and to uh, subject it to. Uh, you know, obviously being held accountable. So I think I do see that as a possibility. I mean, if you look at previous, um, you know, uh, tribunals that have been held, um, for example, in the aftermath of what happened in Germany, uh, you know, the sort of uh, Nazis were held accountable for war crimes. And of course, subsequent uh, tribunals held, uh, more recent ones in Rwanda and so on. You find that even though it takes a long time, but the perpetrators do get held accountable. And that is what we as 
uh, you know, freedom-loving, justice-loving people have to hold on to, mm. that inevitably justice has to actually prevail. And sadly, it's taken very long in the case of the Palestinians, 75 years and more. But I do think it will happen. And I think it's a case of us just, um, you know, staying the course and supporting the foreign minister and the government to make sure it happens and providing whatever, you know, uh, support is required to make sure that Israelis are held accountable. So I do see it happening. And I, I think that also to be quite bold, I think that the occupation uh, will end. And that, that is what I think the international community, the, the ones that are supporting Palestine, um, are certainly asking for. So yes, that's I know it's a very positive uh, prognosis, but I, I do see these things happening eventually. Mm, mm, mm. Well, we've just about run out of time, and that's where we will wrap it up on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. Uh, let's, thanks, let's thank our guests, uh, Kath Lipier, who's an author and visiting professor at the University of Pretoria, as well as uh, Lupna Nadvi, who teaches politics at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, we appreciate your time, both of you. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and let's do good for our country. Mm-hmm.